Hey, what's up? This is Stale Popcorn. So when I was 16 years old, one of my favorite Spike Lee movies was released. It's called Mo Better Blues, starring Denzel Washington and Wesley Snipes. Talking to Shane about this movie made me realize just how much of an impact it had on me in terms of sex positivity and in terms of love and in terms of even music. Although jazz has never been my foray, it definitely put into my mind the idea of working in this industry. I could not believe that Shane had not seen it. I feel like it's one of those movies that whether you like it or not, it kind of has to be in your back pocket. You got to know it. Uh, So it was a pleasure to watch it with him. Um, I have a lot of questions for him. And you'll get to find out what I want to know and whether or not it's fresh or stale. Stale popcorn. Um, I just want to jump right in if we can. Um, is there anything you? Right, because we do know everything in during yeah, the intro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so because this is the first episode, I feel like there's a certain amount of uh, initial catching up that I need from you. Okay. Um, so on our other podcast called Good Talk, mm-hmm. available on Stitcher and iTunes and Spotify and uh, whatever podcast, whatever podcast or streamed, um, I talked about seeing a some books of yours. I'm feeling like, wow, this really is my person because he's got Baldwin and Lies My Teacher Told Me, which I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, books tell you a lot about a person. So I think film does the same. Different because I'm a writer, not a filmmaker mm-hmm. yet, but d- it does still tell me quite a bit. So I think my first question would be, do you remember the first film you ever went to, like in the theater? Ooh, that's tough. Um... First film I went to in a theater. Actually, I don't. I can't remember. Hmm. Did you see Star Wars? Well, no, you were a newborn, so. Right. Um, Star Wars was sort of passively my my gig. It wasn't really really my thing. Well, if you had been seven or eight instead of seven sure. months, you would have saw it. Right. First movie I ever saw in a the theater. That's a great question. I can't remember. That's going to bother me now. Early, an early film. Just one that you know it was still a novel idea to go see a movie? So here's what's funny, actually. I don't remember what film it was, but I remember my first film being at a drive-thru. Drive-in. Drive-in, excuse me. Okay. That makes um, sense. The so They have drive-ins in the Bronx? Whitestone, what is now known as the Whitestone Cinema. If, mm. And I think that actually might be gone now. Actually, it is gone. But what's Whitestone cin- Cinema for me growing up in the Bronx um, was initially a drive-in theater. Mm. And I think... I caught it on like the very tail end of it, of it being, being a, a, thing. a thing. Right. Because I remember sitting in the back of my father's car with pajamas and stuff on and blanket oh, and everything else. Awesome. Like the whole like the whole right. thing. The whole experience. And going to the drive in. But you don't remember what you saw. Don't remember what I saw. I think the earliest movie I th- can remember vaguely remember going to i think was um never ending story ah yeah that so that's gonna be that's early 80s that makes sense mm-hmm. what about et i'm pretty sure you probably saw that in the vhs theaters. really mm-hmm. um actually no, as i look back on it my parents weren't big 
movie theater people. It was we'll wait till till it comes out on VHS. And it, although at, at that point coming out on VHS was a year later, two years later, some, it was like it took an eternity for things to come out then. Right, not two years. I don't see forever. them saying when ET comes out. I don't. I, I don't see them. Is VHS even a thing? Yeah, it is absolutely. Nah. And actually, ET, ET comes out in like '82. Uh huh. Are people really like renting home videos and whenever it comes out in '83 or '84? Yeah. That's that's so. back that's back yeah. in the day, the mom and pop. So actually, mom and pop um, video stores before Blockbuster and all that other stuff. You would go to the corner and you knew the one. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course, that's true. So in '82, you're four. I'm so five. Five. So I can see not maybe not taking you to the theater to see mm. that. And when Meanwhile, I did find scene, I'm actually glad I didn't because that's a very traumatic movie. It is so true. What are they thinking? Uh, so I'm nine, and. That's one of those things, like, I used to always make jokes about us being far apart in age, which we're really not, but there are some spaces where you feel it, and I feel like E.T. is probably one of them. Mm. Like, it was such a shift and a game changer for fourth graders. Like, right. we all had to go as many times as we could. All the girls were in love with the main character. But if you're five, I don't know. No, I do remember now. Mm. It was one of the Superman. It might have been Superman 2. Now that's a dreamy movie to see in a theater, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Superman movie. I remember now, and embarrassing story. Oh dear. I remember because my cousin Yvonne was taking me, and she asked me before we left. You gotta Do go you to have bathroom? to go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, I'm good. No, 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 no. Are you sure? Are you no, sure? I don't need to go. You can go. We get out the door to the bus stop. I gotta use the bathroom. No, not even I got to use the bathroom. Oh, I dear. wet myself. Oh dear. oh, dear. So we had to go back to the change of clothes, blah, 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 and then go to and another then show. And go. Okay. Well, that could have been worse. That could have happened at the show. That would have been infinitely mm, worse. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it didn't also happen. No, 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 it didn't. Oh, no, I was no, going to no. say. Twice? What kind of bladder do you I think mean, of? I have as a five-year-old. Yikes. As a six-year-old. Um, I don't know what it was. It could. Um, speaking of Superman, uh, when my parents got cable and they got HBO, Superman came on so often that I thought the theme song for Superman was the theme song for HBO. Uh, like, yeah. the, I equated those two. Mm-hmm. It was just the same thing. It had to be. So even now, if I hear Superman, I just think HBO is about to come on and... <laughs> Wait, no, that's the HBO. Yes. I think it's the HBO theme. Every time I hear it, I think, think Superman, Superman is about to come on when that's not mm-hmm. the case. Um. So what's your like relationship with film been like? Are you a cinephile? Do you just... Go when you feel like it. Are you not trying to pay money to go in? Where do you rank when it comes to moviegoers? Um, not necessarily now, but just overall. Overall, I'm not. I have not been a big movie theater guy um, because of people. That's that. So I saved that. I reserve movie theaters for movies that need big screen experiences. How do you determine which is which? If there's if it's your basic, like, not basic, but if it's a drama or, like, to me, a Spike Lee movie doesn't need a big screen for me. Okay. The exception being going to see X. Mm-hmm. That I did with my friend in the eighth grade. It's funny enough, you're talking about um, strict parents. In the eighth grade, my friend uh, Mike and I walked to the Whitestone Cinema, which I think was about a three-mile walk, including crossing, possibly crossing a highway. <laughs> <laughs> to get to the movie theater to see X. Um, but as a, on the whole, um, I'm 
a documentary guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a which doesn't necessarily need to be seen in the big screen. Right. Um I've always liked the action movies, especially growing up in the eighties, everything was action, Schwarzenegger, Stallone mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. so it was always I kinda came up in that era, so that was always a big deal for me. Um as I got older, I think I got more into um some of Spike's stuff. Um the Love Joneses, mm-hmm. those kind of things that were they weren't coming of age films, but they were in, in the process of my coming to age. Right. Coming of age. Mm-hmm. And especially as I'm learning that I am a creative myself, kind of getting to those spaces mm-hmm. and discovering my blackness as well. So those kind of things kind of morphed into the fold as well. So I happen to know firsthand that you haven't seen a movie in at least nine months, at least not in a movie theater. Uh, whenever Toy Story 4 was, it was the last time I went to a movie theater. Oh, actually, that was within the past nine months. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot. You're not like... What was the name of that service? Uh, we're gonna. My job is gonna do a story on the guy who Qu- started it. Quibi? No, no. Um, oh, you talking about the one where Movie Pass? Movie Pass. So yes. I guess you wouldn't have been a good candidate for Movie Pass. It would have been wasted on me. Yeah, yeah. Turns yeah. out it was wasted <laughs> on a lot of people. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been my gig. I just discovered um, any movie, which I was telling you about, which is that yes. that combines like which is more curation than actual. Right. So if I went. To, to rent a movie or purchase a movie online, I'll put it into any pass or any movie. It'll tell me where it's available, how much, and I can pick and choose from there and it's added to my library on there. So it kind of leads me to the different services and else because mm-hmm. organizing all the ser- different services are it's a pain, pain in the behind. But, but yeah. that's, that's, that makes me as happy as I think movie pass made other folks. Except it doesn't cost money. Right. And it doesn't really increase your content. It just curates it and makes it make sense. Makes it easier. It's like right. a playlist. Right. It also makes me more inclined to purchase movies online. Because you know because it's going to be. Because I know where it's going to be. Right. Um, it's hard to remember. I bought um, Princess Bride on Amazon right. and Mobile Blues on YouTube. Yep. It's just nice. That happens to me quite often. Mm-hmm. I recently bought Sausage Party. God help Don't you. judge me. And I forgot where I bought it. So when I was trying to finish it, I'm like, was it Amazon? Was it iTunes? I Why did you up, buy that as opposed to renting it? Not buy, rent. Okay. So the next night, you only get 48 hours. I'm like, this is my last night. I got to figure out where, I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. So the night after that, I, fa- I figured out where it was, but now I had to rent it again. <laughs> and I did, because at this point, I'm too invested. And I want to finish the freaking thing. Right. But I never did. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, maybe that'll be an episode. <laughs> We can talk about sausage. Nah. No. Okay. <laughs> so today, uh, the movie is Mo Better Blues. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how we decided this. I'm not sure how you ended up being the person going first up with this film. Because there are definitely others we already know mm-hmm. that one of us hasn't seen. Right. Um, but we're starting with this one. So Mo Better Blues, if you don't know, uh, is in 1990. What they call a musical drama starring Denzel Washington, Wesley Snipes, and Spike Lee, who also directed it. And wrote it. It follows and wrote it and produced it and directed it. It follows a period in the life of a fictional jazz trumpeter named Bleak Gilliam, played by Denzel Washington, who has a series of bad decisions resulting in jeopardizing both his relationships and his career. The film focuses on themes of friendship, loyalty, honesty, cause and effect, and ultimately, of course, salvation. And on top of all that, it's a blackity black, black, blackity black, black, blackity black, black movie. Yep. And I love blackity black, black movies and blackity black, black people. Um, my first question for you: um, 
when you heard that it was coming out. So this is 1990. Mm-hmm. So you're of age yeah. enough to make a decision to go I'm to a, a 13. film. 13. Right. Oh, wait, 13? Yeah. Wait, am I 13? Yeah, I'm 13. Okay, so I take that back. You're not real. I now understand a little bit better why you might. To me, I think Mo Better Blues is a movie you saw in 1990 mm-hmm. it was or 30 years later across from your girlfriend on a podcast. Right. Like, I don't know for sure if I would have seen it later mm-hmm. if I was 13 when it came out. Right. But do you remember, there's a movie by Spike Lee called Mo Better Blues. I'm not going to see it. Uh, Maybe commercials or advertisements or subway ads. I think or I knew of, I knew of its existence. It didn't. It wasn't really on my radar for all the obvious reasons, but it was definitely on, I knew it existed. Have we seen any Spike Lee movies up until that point? Uh, what, that would be School Days. So I've seen so things I can't remember when I saw. Them. I've seen School Days. Mm-hmm. I've seen I think a number of the movies that came before. Do the moves. right thing. Do the right thing. I've seen, but you may not have seen it in nineteen, you know, before nineteen ninety. You may not have seen it in real time. Um, well, I wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have gone to the movie theater to see it. I feel like "Do the Right Thing" was something I did see at that when when it came out VHS, whenever it came out, mm-hmm. because that I think was probably Spike's first Zeitgeist event movie. It like was. everybody had to go see this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. So I think I saw it. Everybody black. Young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Spike's themes, too, that at least with the movies are like, do the right thing. And even X, again, I'm 13 or 14 when I'm seeing mm-hmm. X. Mm-hmm. The themes are, I'm using the word basic, but not as a derogatory. The, the themes are basic and digestible enough that you don't have to be too old to really get mm-hmm. a Spike movie. Right. Like even with the school days. Mm-hmm. Uh, school days, especially because it's, part musical really oh not part it's, it's, a, it's musical. a musical um there are a lot of themes in there that are easy to pull in and get mm-hmm. it's it's the it's um west side story yeah. it's the sharks and the jets mm-hmm. kind of a thing and yet i remember seeing uh school days and being completely bored when the administration is talking about whatever administrations at college just talk about mm-hmm. and we need to get the money and we need to do this to make the alumni happy i remember right. just being like can they sing again because this is <laughs> can i see like tisha campbell right um, but seeing it later, I was like, wow, Spike's really going in on Morehouse. Cause now I know that this is about HBCUs and he graduated from one and right. he was really critical and you know, all that stuff. But yeah, he gives you some digestible bits, but there's usually some other mm-hmm. layers there as well. Um, so as I'm watching the movie, I'm kind of taking, not taking notes, but just jotting down things that first of all, I didn't realize this, but I haven't seen the movie since I saw it in the movie theater wow. in the summer of 1990. I'm 16 years old when mm-hmm. I see this movie. So did you have a lot of gaps and stuff like, oh, that happened, or oh, or did you were um, you still kind of like in line with the movie? Yes and no, kind of like with school days where I was like, well, I'll get to that. Okay. Um. So the thing that I think kind of, I'm sure you see this too, but Spike Lee really loves black people. Mm-hmm. Like he loves black people. <laughs> and I feel like the camera, the cinematography in this movie is amazing. Yes. And Ernest Dickerson um, is going to go on to direct Juice and do his own things. Mm-hmm. But he really gave some real, he just bathes black people in warmth. Right. Um, and I wanted to know if you felt that way as well in this movie or any of his other movies. Um. So funny enough, I was watching, it might have been a YouTube video or a doc about, 
with no no it was a netflix documentary about um the history of blacks in hollywood mm-hmm. and dickerson is in one of the episodes mm-hmm. and he's actually talking about um his work in mo better and i believe also in x mm-hmm. um, he's been his go-to right. for a really long time uh as it leads into his juice and everything else mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to listen to because um, there's the opening scene of X. Mm-hmm. It's Malcolm Little walking in the street. Mm-hmm. And he's just playing in a complex, the complexities of getting this one shot in one file. So because it's about a minute of him walking down the street right. and the angles, and everything else and the work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was fascinating to listen to him. But even beyond that, I feel like watching Mo Better Blues felt like the precursor to... Um, Oh, what is the movie? It won the Oscar over uh, Moonlight. Moonlight, absolutely. It was a pre. It was like, my note. Thank you. It's a precursor to, in terms of how to film black absolutely. people. Absolutely, that was the blueprint. Absolutely, and that that part was amazing. absolutely. And even because I feel like when you shoot darker skinned people, there's a lot of blues and there's a lot of purples. Mm-hmm. He found a way to even work in like reds, reds and different and other highlights and, and do it in a way that just right. really popped. He and knows sense. how to take pretty much any color mm-hmm. and find the depth in it right. that's gonna work right um like somebody like wesley snipes who has a rich deep mm-hmm. dark color i've seen just about every spike lee movie ever no not spike lee i've mm-hmm. seen just about every um wesley snipes movie ever right and sometimes the lighting is just horrific like they just don't know how to light this man mm-hmm. properly and this is one of the few um films that just automatically get it right and across the board well, I was going to say, even the complexity of you have Wesley standing next to Denzel, yep. standing next to um, the, pian- the man who plays the pianist, who's a fair-skinned mm-hmm. man, as, a light-skinned man as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to get the entire spectrum of blackness and lit properly in one stage. In one place. That's actually the uh, lead-in to my next question, because the light-skinned man named Left, can we just talk about the genius and the awesomeness and the everywhereness of Giancarlo... <laughs> Esposito, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, he, I watched. There's some interview he was doing, and he was talking about. Um, he was on a plane, and somebody recognized him from. I believe it was his roles in Breaking Bad because he becomes mm-hmm. better called Saul eventually. He's no, he's Saul. No, no, he's not. I'm sorry, he's not Saul, but he's in. He's he in was, that. He show. was in the okay. show, Ooh. and. He was talking about how much people, and, and that is somebody relating to him as that character. Mm-hmm. But everywhere he goes, somebody relates to him as, as that character. Else. And there's a point where I I tend to be much more fascinated with character actors than leads. Of course, um, love Denzel, but I after watching him for thirty years, I feel like it's Denzel playing a trumpet player. Right. Denzel's now playing a pilot. Although and, sometimes he still feels like a character actor to me. Somehow. He has he has his moments. It's for not sure. quite like Fresh Prince is this. Right. Fresh Prince is that. Which yeah, is yeah. How well, I feel Will about Smith Will Smith. is right. Um, but. He is somebody completely he's just, different. He is just every go around. He's he's a master of the dramatic word. <laughs> he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so it took me about twenty years to allow him to be someone besides I can't remember his character's name in school days. Okay. Like literally right. I he was just that person. Um and I just see Tisha Campbell licking his forehead and doing whatever else they were doing. <laughs> In uh, at school days, watching it at the Wellmont Theater, which is now still Wellmont, isn't it? It's still the Wellmont, but it's now for live shows. It's not a movie theater. Oh right, right. So um, when I was growing up, it was a movie theater, and it was five dollars to get in, which was really expensive. 
and your feet would stick to the floor mm-hmm. and there were mice running back and forth across your feet and you didn't care. That's still the well because <laughs> Because you were going to get to see a Spike Lee movie right. and that's the only place where you were going to see one. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Is he a character actor though? Is that the, I feel like sometimes people use that to say not really that famous or people know their characters more than they know it. It doesn't always have a pleasant tone to it to say I, I don't know if I agree with that. I actor. think I think there's sort of a, a nod and an homage when you call somebody a character actor. Um, there are a lot of folks who play supporting roles, and there's a supporting role here. To me, when you say character actor, they're actually bringing out the character of the roles that they're doing. I feel like that's actually a step above a supporting actor right. for me because I can't think of too many folks I would call a character actor that I don't really, really respect their work and am a so fan of. So there's another who I'm sure we both love, and for some reason I can't think of his name, but in a single year, he played yep. Martin Luther King. <laughs> and then and he played a Cuban or Dominican Peoples from, drug lord? Uh, from Shaft. Shaft right. the, in the same year. Yes. What's his name? I can't right now. Um, but yeah, he was... So He's definitely a character. So actor. in that year, Shaft came out first. Okay. And I think it was two, It was 2000, I believe. Okay. And it was um, the Samuel L. Jackson um, first Shaft movie. Yep. And he's playing Peoples, who is Washington Heights drug lord. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Thick Dominican accent, just, swagger. Just s- stabbing himself yeah. while he's walking down the street. Like, just, I was all in Me there. Too. And then six months later, he's, he's Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. And, not, and you're in and, it. You're and, there for and, it. And not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King like, he's just reciting the lines and going through. He is Martin. Yeah, Luther is. King, 100%. All his light-skinned, right. non-Martin Luther King-looking mm-hmm. self, he did it. Right. So that's why I go back to, again, a perfect example. Character actors, to me, are above and beyond. I put, I'd rather, there's some character actors I'd rather see than some leads. Mm. Like who? Like those two? Like, like those Jeffrey two, especially. Like Wright, Giancarlo Esposito. Tell me. Why? The, are there me. character actors that are women? Um. Yeah, I, I would put um, Lupita in that realm even though she's played leads she's lead she's played several leads she's just really freaking good um i don't think i would make her i think if you are the lead in movies mm-hmm. you're you, you lose by, that status. yeah you're not a character actor i think by definition character actors are generally mm-hmm. not leads right they're not on the front of the movie poster um there are i actually feel bad that i can't there are yeah there are but i can't off the top of my head think of any either that's mm. terrible we'll have no, to fix so, that so if we're being honest, I think part of what it is is we don't see very many black women character actors. Okay, now I just thought of one, but she's no longer one. Now she's a lead. But Viola Davis was a character Absolutely. actor at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think of her as such anymore, but for a while it was like, oh, here she comes. You know, she's right. about to kill it. Um, so, so Giancarlo Esposito plays left, and he's a musician, and he plays piano mm-hmm. in the band. And he has this white girlfriend that no one likes, et cetera. And throughout the film, I can't say that there were any scenes that made him jump out to me. It was mm-hmm. just like, okay, now it's his time to talk about things and his girlfriend. And even the one scene where he's trying to um, defend his girlfriend while they're teasing him. Which I feel like that was, that was ad-lib. That felt very ad-lib. Well, I've heard that the majority of the film was ad-lib. Okay. It was like, here's your script. Mm-hmm. Make sure we get to this at the end. Okay. There was a lot of ad-libbing, particularly in the uh, when they were in the green room of the club. Mm. A lot of that definitely was ad-libbed. Um, so for some reason, I don't know why, but 
there was a scene maybe halfway through, maybe a little bit more, where Spike Lee's character is asking everybody for money, and they're like, nope, nope, nope. nope. He goes to left, who's sitting there with his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. who Spike Lee's character, Giant, often calls her white bitch, (laughs) and she is telling him in French, don't give him any money. Right. And Giant is saying, I need $500. And without even making a big deal of it, left takes out the money, counts out 500 and gives it to him. And says, I don't know, I'm gonna need that back. Right. And then goes on. Right. I don't know why I love that scene. I'm so happy when Left gives Giant five hundred dollars. Well, I think part of what that is is the fact that um Left is kind of played to kowtow to the girlfriend for a lot of movies. Is that even, what it is? Even in the party scene, he's getting up to get her drink because I don't like this the way I this was like made. This. Can you go yeah. get the back? Blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that, and there's the defense of her in the dressing room mm-hmm. and all that and bringing stuff. her into the dressing room right they're so not supposed to have women in the dressing room so there's room. this lot of i want to say cuckold but kind of a cuckold kind of feel to it mm-hmm. and in this moment where his man needs an assist and is real all right one two three five boom boom, boom. and right. he actually he breaks away that. from that to do that and he doesn't even break away from it she's right in his face complaining and he's still just like you're gonna watch me give him this money because right. this is not you're gonna have to just chill right and I don't know, something about that, I expected one of the other guys, I expected everyone to say no. I definitely didn't expect um, anybody, I didn't definitely didn't expect left to be the one. Be the one. Mm-hmm. And I liked it mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, tell me your favorite, well, you might not have a favorite moment, but, well, first of all, I don't know how I skipped this, but was this worth seeing? Are you glad you I saw it? That, I actually thought it was going to be saved to the end. Um, oh. I mean, it can be. No, no. Um, I don't feel like I missed anything. I enjoyed the movie, but I don't feel like I missed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as I was looking at the movie, I enjoyed the aesthetic of the movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the cinematography of the movie. Mm-hmm. I even enjoyed the acting for the most part. The actual plot and the storyline left me a little cold. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure that when I saw the movie, I could have told you anything about it mm-hmm. after. I was completely engrossed with the blues and the mm-hmm. oranges and the jazz music and right. the Harlem and the aesthetic of it. I'm not sure if I could have even sum- summarized it for you right. back then. And I, th- I think what ultimately had me with the plot was it felt very love and basketball to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the terms of you have um, uh, Bleak, who's a very unsympathetic character. Very. He's, Bleak is... He's a womanizer. Yep. He's selfish. Yep. He's, even even though he's carrying Giant, he's making sure that Giant knows, hey, I'm carrying you the whole way. You're not doing mm-hmm. shit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to be fair, Giant wasn't. Of course. Um, just nothing about him felt like endearing or something I need to latch on to or make happen. Mm-hmm. Um, come... The end of the movie. Stop. Ooh, okay. We'll come back. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Denzel mm-hmm. in this film because I don't know how much Denzel you know of by 1990 outside of Staying Elsewhere, and which I'm pretty sure you probably weren't watching that. I think it was, Thursdays today. I think I was watching it because my mother so, was, was watching. Was it Staying Elsewhere? Was that the name of the show you was yeah. on? That was a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If I'm watching that, it's because my mother was watching it. Yeah, and that was the days when like the TV was the TV, and you my mom don't was touch it. Definitely watching it. But what what really creeped me out a little bit was to see young Denzel. Like, mm-hmm. 
he's not young mm-hmm. right now, but he's still Denzel Washington. He's so handsome and dapper mm-hmm. and all that. But to take it was like a smack, like, oh, this is what Denzel looked like in 1990. It's right. a big difference. Well, I forgot I, that he was a heartthrob. And I've seen him in... Not that he's not. Love I've, you, Denz. I've seen him in movies where I believe it was even prior to this where he was younger. Like, there's a movie where he plays a, a principal in, like, a school in the hood kind of deal. Where That's after this. That is after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he looks younger there, even. Yeah, he does. He does. But I'm pretty sure that's after. That's like 91, 92, maybe. Was that late? Okay. Yeah, I think. All right. Um, um, but yeah, no, he's young. One of the things that makes me laugh about young Denzel is he, anytime young Denzel had to age up, it was the mustache. That's it. That's, that's it. all he had. Although, <laughs> isn't that everybody? I feel like that's just cinema as a whole. Make them older, mm. give him a pencil thin mustache. He didn't have a pencil thin mustache. He had the caterpillar. Oh, he did. Okay. And like no coloring of the hair or nope, anything like that. Just, just put a mustache on yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always thought that Denzel was, you know, an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't say that the act, his particular acting in this particular movie really threw me for a loop. I don't, I can't say that it was like explosive the right. way just one year later Malcolm X would be. Right. What did you think? Um, so I've talked to you before about how a lot of superhero movies work in yes. that um so you take the matrix neo in the matrix is very plain not a lot of personality beyond beyond plain. yeah but everybody around him as much as the matrix even though even a lot of the characters in the matrix are still kind of dry there's some quirks and some things too and they make them memorable mm-hmm. um and that's done purposely because or sometimes they'll just have one moment where it's like they look at the camera like eh, right. see i do have personality i just winked even going to, again, back to the Superman movies. Superman himself is a very rigid and plain character. Mm-hmm. But you had Lex Luthor and you had Legion of Doom. You have all these folks around him that bring a lot of color and a lot of vibrancy to the movie. Um, most Batman movies are the same way. But it's done purposely because the idea is you have to have sort of a generic character that People the audience can, can project themselves on. into. Right. The weird thing with Mo Better Blues is... Bleak is not somebody you want to project yourself into. Not really. So uh, I mean, but wait, what if you're a womanizing jazz musician? Okay, so not the theater. So, the, be so full the, of six, those, the six of them but... who were in the theater had a bla- had a blast. <laughs> but generally speaking, because even then, you want that crazy situation where you want to have your cake and eat it too. Right. You want to be the mu- womanizing j- uh, jazz musician that people actually like. Like right. And Bleak is not that still. No, he's not. So the idea that he was kind of like this kind of rigid stiff character even to the point where in the beginning of the movie um what's her name clark 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 mm-hmm. says to him like you have this rigid schedule you wake up and you you mm-hmm. know it's two hours of practice at this time, this time mm-hmm. don't and it's like this is not really a musician's thing he's like no i need order and x y and z mm-hmm. which is not what you expect to see from a lead musician in a movie it's more usually you see those unless it's like a james brown movie or something it's um right. They're going to be a little bit more loose, loose. Yeah. That's so, and I'm I think sh- I think Spike's point was to capture what it's really like for mm-hmm. the Miles Davises of the world that mm-hmm. we can imagine probably did practice for right. You know, or the Quincy Joneses of mm-hmm. the world who probably did practice, and also both of them were also womanizers. So I guess that's how that goes. I didn't realize. I only saw the movie once. It was uh, at college. My friends and I, my roommates and I went to go see it. I think it may have been the first movie I saw, like, 
as a real grown up, right. like without my parents dropping me off and picking me up. And I never saw it again. But I could tell you, I, it was so hard for me not to say all the lines in the entire movie. And I couldn't for the life of me understand or figure out how I can remember these lines for 30 years after only seeing the movie once. So I think what happened is that some of the moments, particularly with Indigo and Clark, obviously, I used to say them back and forth to my friends. You told me the same dress line. Right. Before how? forever. Right. She's right there. Um, I would be Clark and my roommate would be Indigo and we would just all day long <laughs> go back and forth with those lines because we just thought they were so like... Also, just so you know, in 1990, those were really complex characters. We didn't see black women being portrayed like that in film at that time. I wonder if that's part of the reason why Denzel's character is a little bit muted. Right. Because the story is... As much as he's orchestrating everything that's going on around him, the story isn't the him. Story the story is, is everything's happening it's around him. The story of the other people. Everybody and the other people grow. It's everybody else's. It's everybody else trying to, like you said, grow and navigate their mm -hmm. lives around this central figure who controls so much of their lives, whether mm -hmm. the musicians or the girlfriends mm -hmm. or dad or whomever. Yep. Like everybody else is trying to find their space, and that's where Wesley, even though there's a world where he's the antagonist. Mm -hmm. You're rooting for Wesley because he's fighting hardest of all right. to separate himself from his gravity. Be, correct. And he's supposed to be a jerk too. We're not supposed to root for him, right. but eventually we start to. Right. Um, so this is the first film I'm going to see in my entire life with young adults. Um, they're in their early 20s. I'm 16, but, you know, um, I, this is the first time I'm going to see a woman with natural hair who is the sex symbol. Mm -hmm. normally in a film like that, the girl with the natural hair, if there's a girl at all with the natural hair, mm -hmm. she is the negative character. She's the anti-hero or she's going to have to get her hair straightened and then be cute, right. um, whatever the case is. This was the first time that the big bad musician dude, the lead character, is in love or loves or whatever, somebody who's just regular, a teacher with natural hair. So I don't know if I can... So that was one of the things that got to me about the movie as well. Mm -hmm. Um you you get the dark skinned woman with the natural hair right. who's in this complex role. Yep. And what ends up happening is she's bleak's safety. Eh. So Great. All right. give me a second. Uh -huh. Like two seconds. Okay. Because I have to ask you some more questions first. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. Um so do you know that uh Indigo is Wally and that's Spike's sister? Yes. So I've always wondered, could you Think about the sex scenes that were in this film. Because mm -hmm. he has some pretty explicit sex scenes here. Mm -hmm. Actually, they're not really explicit. They're just regular old sex scenes. I guess they're they're shot really something, but it's not like there's a lot of actual raunch. The only raunch is with Clark and Wesley, really. Yeah, that's because that's, those are much Because raunchier. otherwise, Spike is shooting it really, really Correct. tight and really, really Correct. narrow. Right. Even, this, <laughs> even the scene where Denzel, the first scene where Denzel and Clark are having sex, mm -hmm. it's just their faces yep. and the spinning background like what he likes right. to do and just, just their faces. It's just their and faces. They're kissing and then and you get some boob. Um, but that's later on even. That's even later on. Right. Which, by the way, that little bit of boob we saw mm -hmm. is the reason why that role was not played by Halle Berry because she was handpicked for that role right um spike was just coming out of her first film mm -hmm. and she was like nah she saved that for swordfish nah no it wasn't swordfish yeah mm -mm. what was it um that she got the oscar for 
No, no. That wasn't the first time showing boobs. Oh, oh, oh right, right. I don't know. I didn't see Swordfish. But yeah, she th- also showed boobs in one of the Catwoman or something. She's no. coming out of the water and walking. That's, that's um, Bond. But there's no boobs. Oh, she yeah. just come out of the water. Oh, okay. No boobs. Okay. Anyway, she that did was not. A, she that was, was a not, huge event when that finally happened. I remember. Happened. She was not yet ready um, to do a, a love scene, so she waited. Mm-hmm. She was willing to do the love scene, but she wasn't doing the breasts. Right. And... I'm fascinated that, well, she wasn't the Halle Berry. She wasn't like an Oscar winner at that mm-hmm. point. But uh, Spike knew what he wanted, and he wanted some boob. So he got right. some boob. And she got, she had quite the pair, Miss Clark Betancourt. They were, they were nice. Yeah, man. You're saying it like they weren't really nice. No, I they thought were they nice. were pretty, they were beyond nice. <laughs> they were stunning. Um, But, shoot. Oh, let's imagine that you're directing a film. That is going to be the equal amount of raunchy of mm-hmm. that one. And your brother, Chris, is the one in the film. Could you direct your brother in a sex scene the way Spike had to direct his sister? Yes, because I feel like Spike cheated it by doing the close-ups. So you see you see the faces close together. Right. You see the shoulders so close together. You don't see the full body close together. I feel like there was you a don't, couple shots you don't, of you don't, body. You don't really see Indigo in the throes of sex. You, they, you, you see them kissing. Yeah, sure. Go ahead and kiss. <laughs> Knock yourself out. But in terms of actual, there's no, there's no point is Indigo exposed the way Clark is. Right. No, that's true. So in that case, yeah. Now, could I have my could I shoot my brother as they shot Clark? No. Uh, it's hard because work is <laughs> wrong. Sorry. Um, <laughs> because work is work at the end of the day. Right. Um, and if I wrote the thing, and I'm directing the thing, and I'm casting the thing, then I know the thing is there, and that's, right. that we're gonna get there when we get there. Right. Um, so I think it's a matter of how much you can separate the the work from I always the wonder familial. how those conversations go like did he know when he was writing it that it would be his sister does she audition like anybody else I know that I mean she wrote Quicklin and Quicklin was her story mm-hmm. um and she is the young girl I mean she's it's right. based on her right so obviously but there are also no love scenes for her in Quicklin like either. I, I could see a world with Indigo I'm just calling her Indigo um Joie Joie mm-hmm. is fighting with Spike saying I want to show some tits too right like if you're gonna do this, then do Let's it all do the way. It. Let's do it. And they do don't, 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 little sister Although me maybe, now. Maybe, maybe she might have wanted to. Also, too, it might not have been Indigo's character that would have had those kind of scenes. Like she's supposed to be a school teacher. She's supposed to be, you know, a little bit more modest, a little bit more whatever. So I mean, it makes. It's not like where are those titties? Like why isn't she showing us her boobs? It didn't feel like that. Um, well, even even when it's Clark, it doesn't feel gratuitous. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I just wonder what that's like. I'm, mm. I know I'm not directing my sister in anything. Not even the scene that Indigo, I can tell you for a fact, your sister's not doing it either. So, um, no, my sister's not. My have you met her? If you're directing, oh, if I'm directing, your sister's not doing it. She would. She could be talked into it. I could not. So we did an entire podcast together. Yes. And the one thing I learned is her talking about sex with you or around you mm-hmm. is not a thing she's trying to get into. So you filming her? Nah. Um, how do we feel about Spike Lee acting in his films? Um, he gave Tyler Perry wings. <laughs> Are we glad? Um, so 
I'm not going to pretend Spike is a good actor. He's an okay actor. I wouldn't even say he's okay. Um, he He's never detracted from a movie for me. And there are occasions where he's added a little something to me as well. Like, like which I, one? I go back to X. Him being... Uh, I can't remember his character's name in X. Mouse? No. But, um, like, I think the scene where Malcolm is getting his conk. Of course. Spike needs to be in that scene. Right. Like, there's there's a humor to that scene that I don't think Denzel can do on his own or with right. another actor, per se. Right. Um, he's, Spike is Stan Lee. Except. Except Stan Lee gives us five minutes, not a full-on right. two-hour movie full of you being one of the characters. Right. He also, for the most, well, no, there are movies where he is the center of all the attention, but at least with, specifically with this one, he's not the center. And he's closer than others. The well, only movie that I'm okay with him being like a literal character is Do the Right Thing. I think Do the Right Thing and X. Outside of that, what about um, School Days? Oh, School Days. Okay, maybe it's the movies I don't want him in are smaller, a smaller number. Right. Because he did not do anything for me in Mo Better Blues. Um. Yeah. I don't, yeah. No. I didn't. Although, in his. Although, to be honest, I don't know if that character needed much development. I bet we put somebody else in that place, we would love it. There's a bazillion people we can't like. Um, what's his name? Who played Mouse in uh, Devil in a Blue Dress? Another Denzel Washington movie, but not directed by I Spike Lee. He's in all the Marvel movies as uh, War Hero. Oh, um, War Machine. Um, War Machine. Oh God. Um, yes, him. I, I can read his name and not say it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. God. Anyway, yes. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Thank you. So, Don Ch make Don Cheadle that character. Um, which would be a little bit similar to Mouse and Devil in the Blue Jazz. And, you know, put whatchamacallit in it from the original War Machine who got fired for nobody knows oh, why. Oh, Mang? No. Yeah. I <laughs> no. mean, I'm just so saying. Wait, so, so I think... There's I think, lots of so people I think the who problem can with, do I that. think the problem with putting a, a Cheadle or a another actor in that space, um, the interaction, the way, the way uh, Bleak is set up, I don't think I want a character bigger than Bleak in that closer proximity. I get it. Um, because the way the way Bleak is written, any traditional actor in um, what's his uh, um, Spike's Spike? character, Giant. Anybody, Giant. any character in Giant's role is going to because they have more to work with. Outdo Denzel in those scenes. So I still feel like there were a lot of times where I was too focused on whatever he was bringing to the table. Like, oh, his shoulder is weird. So he walks kind of weird. And oh, he's, I don't know. So what's funny about Just that too? a lot too? of times uh, I felt like his affectations overdid it. So I'm wondering, after watching this, I was wondering how much those are affectations because I've seen that same, I saw that same gait and X. Oh no, that's I've how seen, he walks. Right. That's how Spike so, walks. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not even an affectation. That's right. just him. No, the affectation is just a, a exaggeration of his natural gait. Because mm. he he's pigeon toed, bow legged, all those things, right. and he walks kind of weird. Um, not weird, but that's his actual gait. He just does it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess 
Is Woody Allen in all his movies too? Yes. For the but, most part? And Woody Allen is the protagonist in all his in movies. In all his movies. He's the lead in all his right. movies. Right. Which Spike's not doing that. Right. So I'll be damned to tell Spike not to do mm-hmm. his thing. Um, get it? Not to do his uh, right thing. Um, <laughs> but um, again, I, I, I don't Just think like I don't care. That's like I would never begrudge Tyler Perry um, being in all his films. So I feel like where Spike hasn't detracted from his movies, Tyler has hey, more which so. One? I mean, he is Medea, so all those movies. I'm not counting Medea. Um, oh, okay. Tyler Perry's acting is like if if there was if there was an acting death match and it's Spike versus Tyler Perry, who's winning? Spike. Yeah, for sure. Because, because, but, but I because, mean, because, gosh, because that's because, not because saying I, a lot. Because at worst, I feel like Spike is a net zero. Spike right. doesn't necessarily help his movies, but he's not hurting his movies. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So when this film came out, there was some. Um, when I got to Rutgers, my father was a little bit disappointed because there had been a lot of controversy about Amiri Baraka being denied tenure. This mm-hmm. literally happened as soon as I got there. And there are reasons for it. You know, you're supposed to produce. You're supposed to publish. You're supposed to do this. Teach this many classes. Like, all the things. And supposedly he wasn't doing all the things. But um, there was always a different story to what was really happening. So my dad thought, you know, she can't go there. And I'm like, dude, I'm in the dorm. Like, I got my schedule. What are you talking about? He really thought it was like, oh, darn, this is so unfortunate. Now we got to find a different college for her to go to. And right. I'm like, nah. Um, but the other thing that was happening at that time is that the Anti-Defamation League, I think I'm saying that right, had some beef with him as well um, for some things he had been saying about the Jewish community right. and what they had done to the black community. I mean, it's my understanding that it was the bigger issue with the school than anything. Right. It was Correct. about that. It was about that, but they never said that. Mm-hmm. It was about you're other not things. publishing things and right. all that other nonsense. Um, so the ADL was saying what they had to say, and at the same time, Spike Lee was getting into trouble for Mother of the Blues for the Flatbush Brothers and his portrayal of Jewish people in that movie. Right. So I remember watching the movie. Uh, by the way, are either of them Jewish? They both are. They are? Okay. Wait a minute. No, no. they're not. That's Nick Turturro. They're both right. Italian. Yeah. Nick and his brother, Tutur- Nick and somebody Turturro, mm-hmm. who have been in a bazillion Spike Lee movies right. as well. Um, so the ADL was like, this is horrible. And I remember looking it up because of all the things people talk about when we went to go see Mud Blues, the Flatbush Brothers was not one of them. Right. No one cared. No one paid attention. And I'm like, what did you guys think about the portrayal of Jewish people in that movie? And people were like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so they had a big press release and a press conference and everything. And they asked for Spike to apologize because specifically because you understand what it's like for your people to not be portrayed properly in the film industry. And you know better. Mm. And this is not okay to give them all these features and to make them... So whatever. And I remember my dad and I making a bet. Is Spike going to apologize or not? This is Universal. This is one of his first big budget movies. You know, so for him it was. Mm -hmm. He's got Denzel Washington in it. Like, is he going to apologize? My dad said, yeah. And I was like, he's not going to. He's not apologizing for this. Because he he knows. He's 25 years old at this time. Yeah, man. He's 25 years old. He knows what he has in front of him. He knows he has a whole career Mm -hmm. of talking shit about Jewish people. It's not going to stop. So instead, he wrote an editorial in the New York Times, which I still have because I'm a cornball. And it says, I understand what you mean about these two characters who have 12.5 minutes total 
of screen time in this movie. Mm-hmm. My people, on the other hand, have 3,850 million <laughs> right. screen, hours of screen time where we've been looking like a hot-ass mess. So I think y'all are going to be okay. And I will never, ever, ever apologize for my portrayal of Jewish people in this film or any other film I make for the rest of my life. Which kind of... I feel like that's the first, maybe not the first, that's in my lifetime, one of the first rearings of like the idea of cancel culture. Right. Because that was supposed to be the end of Spike because Correct. he didn't do this thing. Correct. And he was like, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think that was my first introduction to just how non-apologetic he would be. Because mm-hmm. he's been almost canceled many times in the 30 years since that film. And he almost always... By everybody. By everybody. By his own people, (laughs) by other people, white people, Jewish people, Indian people, whatever. Sometimes deservedly so, sometimes not so much. Sometimes it's a... What'd you say? Sometimes deservedly so. Sometimes he's out of pocket, sometimes not so much. So let me think of a... Help me think of an out of pocket where we... where. Most Um, folks are like, what are you doing? Oh, when he was uh, standing for... Nate Parker. Ooh, yeah. He came back from that one, though. He had to let that one go because mm-hmm. that was not going to go nowhere good. Nope. Um, yeah, so the one thing that I discovered about Spike Lee that disappointed me, and this is sort of embarrassing that this is the case, but never meet your heroes. When I was growing up and I saw the types of films he made, I, I always got the impression that he was poor. Like, I always got the impression that he was, like, socioeconomically like me. Right. Like, maybe parents who didn't go to college, but you did. Um, Not a lot of money. When I thought of Brooklyn as a teenager, Mm -hmm. it's the Bronx. It's hell. Like, your your house next to you is always on fire. Right. No matter what. You go to school, something's on fire. And again, that's not necessarily what the Bronx was. Right. continue. No, of course not. That wasn't the Bronx (laughs) or Brooklyn. It was none of that. Right. So, it wasn't until, uh, I don't know maybe when I was graduating from college or whatever, that I learned about HBCUs mm-hmm. and that he went to Morehouse. And I realized how expensive Morehouse was. Mm-hmm. And he said in an in a, uh, interview that he didn't get any financial aid. And I was like, well, how do you pay for college? I didn't know black people could go to school and write checks for it. Like, who's doing that? Right. I looked, I looked up his parents, you know, he's like a third generation Morehouse student, mm-hmm. graduate. And I was like, dang nabbit. I was like not in love with him anymore, which is silly. But he came from a very upper upper not upper middle class upper class black folks in brooklyn right who own brownstones outright and you better go not just better go to college but you better go to morehouse and your wife went to spelman and the whole thing and mm-hmm. i had to catch myself and learn that black folks are not a monolith yep it didn't take i had to wait until i was 20 years old to figure that out mm-hmm. I th- and i think there's a it's not even just a black thing there's a this universal theme of the struggling artist right and that you can't create art without struggle right uh particularly financial struggle correct um which, which he knows a lot about he has you know often struggled mm-hmm. but struggling to get millions is not the same as struggling to get ten dollars right so struggle is struggle though right um but you know like malcolm x i'm sure you know yeah. Uh, almost didn't get made. He basically had to be giant and walking around the club. <laughs> it was like a GoFundMe. It right. was like a personal GoFundMe, except with phone calls. It was a telethon. Right. To get that movie made, which I always loved. Okay, so let's talk about the end. Um, so to talk about the end, I feel like we have to talk about the middle a little bit. Okay. Um, going back to the themes of Clark versus Indigo mm-hmm. and the idea that 
Clark was this again. I don't, I don't I don't know how much of this is colorism, mm. but Clark was this big exciting like flex, mm-hmm. and Indigo was a school teacher, a school teacher mm-hmm. who was not so much about her being a school teacher, but it was she was. I'm the, saying like she's a school teacher and she's a singer, right? It was just like right, and it felt like there was a. I don't know if you can make homely a verb, but there was mm-hmm. like a downgrading of Indigo to like, she's no Clark. Mm-hmm. And even to the sense of like, I think there was a relief that to, for Bleak, that Indigo wasn't interested in the club. Yes. But not, but for my, for me, for my view, it wasn't so much because I need to keep Clark and Indigo separate because they knew about each other. Mm-hmm. It was Clark looks better on me at oh, the club really? than Indigo did. I didn't get that. That never dawned on me that that would be his reason. I always thought it was just because she said, I don't like going to the club. I'd rather just listen to your records at home. Right. And I think, but again, I think there was a relief in that. He never wanted her at the club. How did you get that though? Um, Just by how the whole relationship, there's a lot of stuff that Clark was doing that I feel like Indigo wouldn't get away with. Now that is true. And Clark can't, Indigo can't just pop up at the crib. No, she can't. And it'd be okay. Literally Clark bit his lip. Right. Split his lip. Right. Which, which ends never. up being foreshadowing. But right. um Clark has his wide berth. She did. Because she's the fancy, fabulous, whatever. Right. And Indigo was like Know your place. Right. Mm-hmm. And she played that role and that was where she was tucked into. Mm. Okay, I get that. I never so, thought about that, but I guess that's partially probably true. So going from that to I don't think he Well, okay. obviously if he never you're right. I guess if Indigo never came to the club, then he would I don't know. If Indigo doesn't come to the club and the dress thing doesn't happen. The dress thing meaning them wearing the he same was once in Paris right. and didn't have enough time to buy them separate presents. So he bought them both the same dress. We should probably led with this with if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> we'll say that in the beginning. Right. You should probably yeah. see the movie because there'll be all the spoilers right. in the world. Um, but yeah, so if, if Indigo doesn't come. Except there's literally only one spoiler in this entire movie. That's really it. And we're about to go over it. Right. But there's no spoilers here. I mean, spoiler, but that's a spoiler. Like, with, Left with, is going to give him $500. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but so if Indigo doesn't come to the club and see Clark and see the same dresses, mm-hmm. there's there's no breakups happening. Right. Um, Although I think we're supposed to believe that it would have happened anyway at some point. I think we're supposed to believe that to get the ending we were getting, he was eventually going to lose them. Well, the weird, that's the weird part, too. As Clark and Indigo are giving him the business for the dresses mm-hmm. and calling them each other's names mm-hmm. during sex, all they're talking about is, I know about this other bitch, but yep. you need to respect me. Yes. So there's a world so where he's you, just... That's true. There's a world where he's still doing well, his thing. he's still doing his thing. Yes, but true. it was the respect Although, issue right. that became the, the problem. Right. So sidebar, mm-hmm. have you ever called a woman by someone else's name in bed? No. Came close? No, because that would require me to have two women. <laughs> to mix up like you 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 you're you're giving me far more credit (laughs) than i deserve okay also i'm not a big talker anyway like that's all but that's all the ball but yeah there hasn't been an instance where i had to juggle to that wasn't a problem um serial monogamous um but yeah so um i'm sorry i forgot we're talking about uh clark and indigo and what might have happened so fast forwarding to I, I wasn't quite clear mm. when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I'm clear now, unfortunately. But 
when I first saw the film, I was like, I don't understand. So he's not cheating on. All I could think of was one is his girl, mm-hmm. the other is a side piece. Right. I'm from East Orange. They're both That's side how pieces, these works. But they're both side pieces. Right. So I didn't get it at the time, but I get it now mm-hmm. that they were grown up women right. who were like, I'm your girlfriend and I know you're seeing someone else. So we're not monogamous. We're not in a serial relationship. But they sort of were because as when they both show up in the club at the same time, and Giant's like, remember I told you in Paris, don't mm-hmm. get in the same dress. You owe, me $50. you owe me $50, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I got this. I got this. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't quite understand is for him to be big, bad, bleak and not give a fuck, he's walking into the club like like looking for one. And what am I going to say to If you're dating two chicks, why do you, why do you care about who's where? Because there's... There's, and this is where I think actually I want to give Spike a lot of credit because this nuance and this twist, mm. it'd been very easy to say he had two girlfriends they didn't know about each other, right? Or he had one in the side Absolutely. piece. Absolutely, I always thought the that idea that, that was, all three knew about all three, no, right? Was I think especially for the time I think a brilliant it was way to spin it was, that. and it made it so that he couldn't just get out of right. it easily. But what happens is, in those spaces, there are rules, mm-hmm. and there are rules that you don't violate, like buying each other, buying them both the same dress, right? And or calling them one by the wrong name because the the whole thing or was each of them he called both of them by right. the wrong name because they're, they're his whole thing and it, even that was interesting because it was technically one sex scene mm-hmm. but it was like I, I was trying to picture that being played on stage mm-hmm. um, where it's like one bed and one bed him being torn right. between the two and then he of course breaks the fourth wall and right. looks straight at the camera so the biggest thing in that relationship at least for the women was I know what it is. Just respect me. Right. Don't don't fuck with me. Don't bubble. And yeah, that's that's kind of where he got done in ultimately. Um, but fast forwarding, um, he gets beat up by Sam Jackson, who's in every fucking thing. everyone. Um, they never every Spike Lee movie. Yeah, they never explain why he has a cane and a, and a oh, Spike's race. good for that. But. He'll give you some, some random character ass. development for your ass. Um, a lot of times it'll be something that was supposed to mean a thing and, and then got, got cut. Yeah. And it was like, eh, we don't right. have no money to shoot this over. You're good. You just got a carrot. So right. That's it. So um, Bleak gets his lip split yep. and beat all the whatever. Mm-hmm. He hides for a year. Yep. All the things. He did a really good job. That could have come off the, the scenes where we see him... Uh, hurt and underground for a year could mm-hmm. be really cheesy. It could because he spent so little time there. Right. But I think he did a pre- pretty decent job of so painting I, that picture. So when I'm watching the scene where he's laying down with the records and the yeah. tape between, I'm thinking he's having a mental break and that's how the movie's going to spin oh, and end. Okay. I didn't see the recovery happening. Right. Um, I don't think Spike did either, but that's <laughs> another story. So Bleak goes and he meets up with um, uh, Shadow Yep. And um, Clark is now his wife, girlfriend, whatever, and they have their band. Yep. He plays and discovers he can't play anymore. His lip is it's not going to hold up. It's done. Done. The first thing is to go back to Indigo, who he hadn't spoken to in a year. A full motherfucking Who Indigo year. thought was dead, dead. whatever else. Blah, Which blah, blah, I was kind of like, you could have just called the club. <laughs> Except for the fact that Indigo knew he couldn't play anymore. Right. Like right. you're here because you can't play anymore. Right. The fact that 
Bleak gets this re- undeserved redemption. And that's why I go back to Love and Basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omar Epps' character in Love and Basketball Psh. is pure Pure shithole. He's worse trash. than Bleak. He's, way worse yeah, than Bleak. Worse than Bleak. Mm-hmm. But purity trash. Yep. Gets injured. Mm-hmm. Can't play no more. Right. And then I wish the character from Love and Basketball would have done what Bleak did. He comes to her and is like. Save my life. Yeah. And she's like, I'll play for your heart. <laughs> right. Be. But even though even he's. I'm begging you to save my life. Yeah. What did you do to earn Nothing. that thing? And, you know, they ends up the kiss and he carries her up the stairs. Presumably they have sex. And, and then there's this 10-minute thing of how great their life is. And all, but it wasn't that he learned lessons. It wasn't that he grew or no, anything else. He just split his lips and nothing chose else. the number two girl. Right. When I tell you how f- infuriating I was, 16-year-old me, mm-hmm. I was furious i was furious that spike lee wrapped this up the way he did in the time he did right it went from it was supposed to here's my opinion it was supposed to end that night in the club when he realized he couldn't play that was it yeah i can't play shadow's got my girl shadow's got my club i'm gonna sit here and just tap my leg and I'm, listen to the movie i'm good with, to him, the I'm good with him music. going to indigo and, and her indigo being like, be like nigga, nah. if you don't get out of here and oh but only if there's not another man walking down the stairs. Right. I need Indigo to say no, no I need on the strength Indigo of Indigo. to be independently saying, no, nah, I'm good. No. But I don't even need that. Or at the very least, that. if you want to do this redemptive thing, you need to go. Because that was another part that bothered me. He said, She said several times you need to go. He worms his way back in. He's holding like, get off me, get off me. Which yeah, and it kind of, starting to get, it's a, to get little... a little uncomfortable. Yeesh. If Indigo says, nah, you got to go. In the last 15 minutes of him working to get back and right. apologize to her, right. I'm good there too. Go get you some therapy. But Let's see him going in and out of his therapist's office. Right. Let's see you in the gym. Let's see you doing see you physical teaching. therapy for your lip. Let me see Let's you see teaching, you teaching music history. Little kids. Like to, something. You, you could even do the cheesy boomerang thing. Have him come to her school because mm-hmm. he's the new music teacher and right. he's going to teach the kids how to play. And you know that's going to make her want you. Right. All that. But... I couldn't believe that Spike Lee would be that lazy on that night. To, on that same night and it was, in the rain, and it wasn't you that he, give Giant your instrument and you walk to Indigo's house and beg her to save your life. And it wasn't that he didn't have time because we get fifteen minutes yep. of this fabulous life that they yep. end up leaving, yep. leading. Yeah, there was enough time. Except for it's him. not a fabulous life. Trust me, they're divorced. Promise you that. <laughs> but better too. Not um, so better. Yeah, they're, but, um, they're they didn't make it. But yeah, there's just that part of it that that bothered me. So again, I go back to the aesthetic, the cinematography, the acting. All the things were great. I, but I'm looking at this plot, and it's like this. And so you're saying you're 16 when you see it. And I was wondering if in 1990. People looking at this and not seeing what I'm oh, seeing absolutely. in 2020. Absolutely. We were disgusted. Me and my two roommates mm. were like, are you fucking kidding me? And we're teenagers. Right. Teenagers. We're like, what is she doing? Because I'm thinking 1990, maybe you, you did this thing and everybody was like, so happy to see black people on screen. That nope. kind of misses nope. it. Nope. It was. Because Mo' no. Battle Blues in 2020 no. is a shit show. No. We didn't. So the only thing that we didn't... Um, that we sort of were like, oh, how romantic. That is not romantic. Is when he won't leave. Right. Um, and he's like, she's like, get out, get out. And he's like kind of grabbing her, mm-hmm. but not really. We're all like, oh. mm-hmm. like huh. I'm watching that now. Like, Ew. And there's so many of those. Like um, Damon wrote about in Love Jones how uh, Darius gets um, 
Neil Long's character's address. He goes to the record store, mm-hmm. asks his homeboy to give him the credit card receipt so Ooh. he could pop up at her door uh, and uh, ask her out. I don't remember that. That's how they get together. Oh, and there's so many moments in these like rom-coms but and we, romantic I'll dramas. It. I'll allow it. But physical something, right. I don't know. The way he was holding on to her and not leaving. It was, she kept yeah. saying, get out. Like, I really want you to right. leave. But um, I'm sitting like Indigo. Don't don't stop leaning your head. Don't let him kiss you. Don't touch his lip, Indigo. No, nope. don't don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Oh, but you fuck. had to yeah. right. So I was really disgusted, and also I thought it was lazy that he crammed all that in. It's mm. like you kiss her. Literally, the next time we see her, she's pregnant. Right. Not married. Of course, that's fine. But it did make me think too. Like, okay, so what's the by the way, that's there. That's her real dad. That's her and Spike's dad that gives her away. Okay. The, I didn't notice that when I was watching it the first time. I was like, "That's Bill Lee." Even, it's also the last movie that he did the music for. Who? Their dad, Bill oh, Lee. Okay. He did all of Spike's movies until that time. So, on the colorism aspect of it, if that's how the movie's going to end, yeah, I want Indigo to play Clark and Clark to play Indigo. Why? I want Indigo. To get the life that she wanted, how she wanted it. I, I think want, Indigo I, did get the life. No, she let wanted, me how let, let me rephrase. I want. I would I would I would I would liked to have if this is going to be the movie as it's set and you can't change the script, can't change anything else. I want Clark to be the dark skinned woman, and Indigo to be the light skinned woman. I want to see the dark skinned black woman live the life that she wanted to live because she made the independent choices to do what she needed to do and found her man. I'm singing and doing all the things. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Indigo got what she wanted. I feel like both women got what they wanted. I think, I believe that Indigo, if I can just ascribe all things to her like I read the script, Mm -hmm. I believe Indigo truly wanted to be with Bleak in a way that that Clark Clark did not. not. Right. Um, I believe that Clark really was kind of hoping that being with Bleak would help her career. Right. Which is why she's with Shadow. and And if we're doing this, I think there's a realm where... And it goes waiting for him to get through this phase and get over yeah. himself and then figure Absolutely. It. But the way he get it, it comes to pass is trash. It was horrible. So, but the sad, saddest thing, sadder thing, is that my 16-year-old self is watching the film and I think it's lazy. Um, it's not even good, it's not even good cinema to watch them skip, skip, skip. Oh, now she's in a taxi. Right. The, even the birth was way too raunchy, not raunchy, way too much. Right. Like I was like, why? Why you guys see all her coochie? Like, I don't know. It just seemed like I didn't get enough buildup to care about her pushing. Oh, push, push, mm-hmm. push. Oh, now he's got a mustache. Oh, now it's three months old. Oh, now he's 60. It was well, just. Saw, that's, have you seen, do you see Black Klansman? I didn't. At the end of Black Klansman, he does something similar. Not with the characters, but he goes into this whole 15 minute montage of. Wait, Spike directed it or produced it? Uh, he produced it. Oh, okay, but this is still, but it was still very Spike esque. Okay. You can feel Spike's hand on this. Okay, it's very. It becomes very much about white supremacists and Black Lives Matter, and but you're watching police brutality. And you're watching black people get beat. Right. Actually, the actual videos and the videos. shooting stuff that we. Yeah. And this is coming from a space where I spent two years having to watch all the videos oh, and report in all the time. videos in mm-hmm. real time and do all the things. It's too much. So I sit there at the end of this movie, which to me, it felt... Forced? It felt like uh, trauma porn. Okay. It, it felt like it wasn't made for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of black folks feel differently. For me personally, it felt like it wasn't made for us. Mm-hmm. So it was made to 
to do whatever. Mm-hmm. I walked out the theater at that point. Mm. But again, to me, it was like, with this extra 15 minutes, you could have done so much. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't like it. and what, what's worse is, I, I think in terms of Mo' Better Blues, I don't think it was 15 minutes. I think it felt like 15 minutes. Right. I think it I, don't mean, been, I don't think it was 15 minutes. It might have been five. It might have been. Because, I mean, she like, pushed that baby out in about 0.5 seconds. <laughs> and that was it. And the next thing you know, he was like seven or however mm-hmm. old he was at the end. By right. the way, two of random music movie trivia two of wesley snipes sons play two of the, the babies boys. that they aged out oh, okay. um i think the, the two-year-old and the four-year-old mm-hmm. or something like that the little baby mm-hmm. that they're holding with the bat the baseball mitt and then one of the ones that are walking he literally had like okay i got mm. there you go <laughs> use them right um so i don't care about bleak i don't care about indigo mm-hmm. i don't care about this boy um you know, I'm a. You know me as a writer. I love a full circle. Please right. give me the same scene at the end that you gave me in the beginning. I'm all here for that. That felt forced too. That, that felt, was forced that felt, too. Yeah. We have to be really careful with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same kids, the same lines. Um, Ruth Carter did the wardrobe, by the way. Ruth Carter. She just won an Oscar for Black. Oh, Panther. okay, okay. She okay, does yeah. like yes. everything. Yes. Um, and it was a, as you can see that 1990. I I peeped that like very. They weren't wearing cross colors, but, but they, it was, cross it was very cross colors esque. Yeah. So I'd love to know the story about why they weren't actually wearing that. Um, Probably cost money. Spike Lee's got enough money at that. Well, time. no, actually, and actually, they've no, been no. paying money to have saying. their stuff in there. I was saying, I think that maybe why, right. whatever the bill was, he had the right, right, right. The cross colors had to yeah. put the product um, placement. But yeah. so, I just was so disappointed by the end. I was so very disappointed. So when you say but, that, you, so when you say that you haven't seen it since you were sixteen, yeah. Having seen it, I understand why. Because why I haven't seen it since then? Yeah, because I don't know that there's a mood that I'm in to want to revisit this. No, there have been times where I wish I could see it. I just haven't had access to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I definitely would have watched it. I'm not getting a VHS of it. I'm not renting it somewhere. It's 2020. I hope you're not. No, I mean, oh, back then, in the right, first right. ten years yeah. after it came out, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And then when streaming started, you couldn't find it. It mm-hmm. just never really happened. I definitely would have, um, but. I just, I don't know. The sad part is that now at 46, I know a lot more indigos than I ever thought would be possible. Mm. I was an indigo. I've been an indigo. Um, So it's the same thing that made me rail against this movie when I was 16. It's like, yo, that shit is fucking real life. That's life right there. That happens. Niggas will walk away from the club with a split <laughs> lip and be like, please save my life. Right. And we will be like, oh, the fuck K. So as much as the movie bothers me, um, I understand. So even in I that, know Indigo. So even in that regard, I think if you're going to still go that way, it, it's the upbeat after that that I think it ends up bothering me. well. It just wasn't if you, if you do yeah, the same, you can't if, do it on the same night. If you do it, if you do the same ending with Indigo, even on the same night, it can't be that that immediate upbeat of everything right. rosy and I got my man right. because he can't his his the passion that outweighed me. He you no longer has. You know what I would have been okay with? You bring her up the steps. Fine. I want her to find out. You know, I want mm. her to have sex with him, kick him out, and then six weeks later, fuck, I'm pregnant. And be mad about it. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I'm not having this baby. And then, well, shit. This is this is where we are. Right. I'm okay with that happy ending because eventually you have the baby, you get married. It's all good. You know, everybody doesn't have the uh, 
storybook way that they got to where they are. Sure. And I think that's what he, the point he was trying to make, but it was a little too, like you said, it was the upbeat was just too much. Yeah. I need her to have some time to not right. want to be around him. Right. I and then a, make the choice. There needs to be a show and prove. Correct. And there was no, no You know show what? And there doesn't need to be a show and prove. There just needs to be time. Right. If she find, if she ends up pregnant the next day and eight weeks later she she decides, you know what? I love him. This shit is kind of whack, but fuck it. I'm having this baby and we're getting married. I'm totally fine with that. That's real fucking life right there. Sometimes you get what you want without showing and proving. That's just how it goes. Right. But I'm going to need some. This movie's going to have to give me some more layers than this. It felt very yeah. at mm-hmm. the end. So how do we rank these? One to ten? One to ten buckets of stale, stale popcorn? popcorn. Uh, is I, it stale popcorn or is it fresh popcorn? Stale popcorn. This is a stale popcorn. Oh, that, that, that's how we'll do it. Is okay. it stale or is it fresh? I'm going with stale. Damn. Was it a waste of your time? No. Was it the kind of stale popcorn that you just find yourself eating just because it's there? Mm. Or you take a bite and... <laughs> no, because again, the movie itself isn't a bad movie. It's just some of the theme and some of... And the ending. Right. Just kind of kind of blew it for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's... Eh. I, I, I ultimately I feel like I didn't miss much. Well, now you haven't missed anything because you watched it. There you go. All right, stale popcorn. <laughs> yeah, how do we how do we sign this off? Um, I don't. This know. is where the theme song will drop. Actually, I guess. Is that so? Um. So actually, no. Let me ask you this: revisiting yes. it. Mm-hmm. Where are you on it? Because again, this is this is interesting. Because usually, I feel like when we get into more of these episodes, um. The thing that, like the next the next episode is gonna be something you haven't seen, right? And I'm pretty sure whatever I end up choosing for you will be something I've seen multiple times. Mm-hmm. This is a rare instance where you haven't seen it since the first time you saw it. That's true. That's so, probably not gonna happen again. So revisiting it 30 years later to the, to the year, yeah. Revisiting it 30 years later, where does it rank for you? Is it better than you remember it? Is it worse than you remember it? Jeez, it's as good as I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it more problematic or less? It's absolutely more problematic, particularly mm-hmm. the last 15. <laughs> right. Um, it's absolutely more problematic, but it's also a lot more realistic, which kind of sucks. Mm. Um, well, life is problematic. Life, life can be problematic. Yeah. But in terms of like male-female relationships specifically, uh, my 16-year-old self thought that I wouldn't ever be in a situation like Clark or right. Indigo. I just knew for sure. Um, I would never be a side piece. I would never date someone who wasn't exclusively dating me. Mm-hmm. I would definitely not, uh, you know, accept the blatant disrespect that both of those women accepted from him. Right. I definitely, I felt like, I didn't think that Clark and Indigo were real people. Like the idea of being like, I don't understand why you don't want to be with just me. Like they were super vulnerable. Like right. at what point are you going to make a decision? You don't love me. Well, the other thing too, I find it like Clark's motivations for, or interest in um, bleak is very apparent. Yeah. Um, it's even, even outside of the career opportunities. Mm-hmm. They're both musicians. I believe in myself. Right. They're both musicians. They share love. Blah, she's on the scene, all this other stuff. What do Bleak and Indigo have in common that they are a thing? Like, what are they get? What are they giving each other that I'm not seeing? Um, I think that long before he's going to split his lip and come to her for salvation, I think that's the role she played 
that even was, before that. Right. That she could be um, support mm-hmm. and she could be bread. Mm-hmm. Oh, be, bread and jelly. Bread is jelly. Uh-huh. Good and call. Both he and Clark were jelly, which is why they didn't end up together. Right. Um, so wait, between Shadow and Clark, who's bread and who's jelly? Shadow's bread. Shadow's bread. Clark's jelly. Uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, <laughs> you'll have to listen to Good Talk and find the bread and oh, jelly. Oh, did we break it down on Good Talk? We had a conversation oh, about bread and jelly. Okay. Yeah. So I guess uh, I can't say it was better or I can just say that as someone who um, can now identify the shadows and the bleaks and the Clarks and the Indigos in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, who am I? I want to hit the give button. Me, <laughs> give me give somebody five hundred dollars because you have it and they need it, and I'm mad and I'm telling you not to. So no, you. The thing is, you would never be mad. No, absolutely not. You wouldn't. Absolutely not. I'd be like, why don't you just give him more? Right. Because it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. Unless he called me a bitch, like he called her a white bitch all the time. <laughs> I might not have in that instance. Right. Um, you're not in that. I don't see you in that film. You're not. You're not um, mm-hmm. bleak, and you're definitely not shadow so that could be a little shadow no <laughs> why don't you say that in a bit of a more high-pitched voice <laughs> than that if you were either of them like you're my my salvation and redemption from the shadows and the bleaks there's no there's to be no shadows and bleaks mm. um his name is shadow for a reason and his name is bleak for a reason it's not just a name right it's also an adjective yeah and spike made no mistakes with naming them each that you know, Spike is known for his light touches. Yeah, just super light touch. Yeah, as you could tell with the Flatbush brothers. Right. Their names were the Flatbush brothers. brothers. Um, very light uh, touch he has. And, the, you know, he's short, so his name was Giant. Giant. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought Clark, Bank- Clark Bancourt actually was a dope name. Um, actually, I want to play something for you. So my friends from college will tell you that I was going through... Um, after we watched Mo Better Blues, I decided to cut my hair like Clark's and hmm. wear my hair like that. And I did. I went to this little salon um, in New Brunswick. They're going to show me a video montage, are you? No. And uh, my roommate was like, don't do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I got my hair cut like hers and I really liked it. But then it started to grow out really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so within couple months my hair looked like indigos right <laughs> so we always had a lot of jokes about how um my hair was both of those characters you're, within you're a year. clindigo clindigo ew that sounds <laughs> that sounds really suspect Lark. um this song which i'm Tell sure you heard what's in, in the film this is her singing this mm-hmm. is cinda williams singing random note and if he she was married to billy bob thornton right by so before angelina jolie was you know who all those people are. Yeah, that's right. Super weird. Um, this song, the soundtrack to this movie is also the score, which is very unusual right. for a film. Mm-hmm. Even a music film, you'll generally have different songs, different score, but it's literally the entire score of the movie is the entire soundtrack. Although I feel like in that era, this might have been the very beginning of it. I feel like there's an era of '90s movies, black movies in particular. 
where the soundtracks are as big an event as the movie. Absolutely. And this one was not. Right. But I feel like this I, this may even been like the beginning Absolutely. of sort of that trend. So this song actually charted um, and she had like a pretty short musical career based on it. And um, what was my point? <laughs> this has been still popcorn though. I don't know. I wanted to say something about her. That's Tendi Williams. I thought she was super dope. This movie had a bigger impact on me than I thought as I was watching it. Mm. Um, particularly how women um, were portrayed in this movie. Super. It's different. It's just different. I just didn't see it. Yep. It's interesting. It's, it's deeper and more complex than I think you would have seen black roles for quite some time before that, but just as problematic. I'm trying to think. What's what else is out? Mo Money is out in like eighty nine ninety. Mo Money. Um uh, let me think. What's out? Like what where, where well, black juice women? is what, ninety four, ninety three? No, it's a little earlier. And juice was problematic. Um I don't know. It just I remember being really changed by it. And again, mm. like I said, making some solemn vows that that shit wasn't gonna be my portion right it was <laughs> <laughs> except it was all right i know what i want to play as we go out so i told you that i'm kind of i was kind of shocked at not shocked but denzel didn't look particularly young to you in this film um i mean it's funny i just watched randomly like mighty quinn a few months ago mm-hmm. And I've seen other movies over the last couple of years where he's just as young. I mean, he always looked old. He's been an old person he's always since played, forever. He's always played. He's always old. played old. Um, I don't know. That he's been old. Uh, how how old do you think he is in this movie? In real life. Wait, which one? How old is Denzel? As he's playing. Oh, at Mo the time he, Blues in the real char- life. The character or Denzel him, in real life. Him. Which him? Denzel. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 32. 42, 50. That would make him 62 now. Uh, He was born in 54. Mm-hmm. So 30 years ago. 64, 74, so he's 84. 40 yeah, he was around there. No. You said 32? Yeah. 64, 74, 84. He was 30 and 84. He probably said he's like, he was like thirty six. Okay, that's about right. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think he was supposed to be younger than that. Well, it's it's the story is younger than thirty six. This is not a thirty six year old story. Is that what it is? No, no. What I'm saying is like I don't think. I think if the if we're saying the cast is in their mid to late forties, mm-hmm. this isn't a story that I think that's happening. This is well twenty eight twenty nine is twenty five years old in the movie in real life. Who the uh, Clark. Mm. Clark's 25. In the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and no, 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 in real life. I don't but, know how she's okay, okay. in the movie. And I think Jawali was probably like, same, 25, 27, 8, something like that. Okay. Even Spike, I'm pretty sure, is younger than Denzel. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, actually, he would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spike's probably like 52, and Denzel's like 62. Right. Um, so Denzel, honestly, has has had some problematic thoughts for me over the years not often but every once in a while some some interviews i've seen um some some positions he's taken on things Mm -hmm. have kind of rubbed me the wrong way Mm -hmm. but he also 
uh, gave a speech at an award ceremony um, about five years ago that I watch a lot more than um, I let you know. Cause I feel like you've written these quotes on chalkboard. Yeah, sure. Every once in a while, it cycles out as my um, my quote of the week slash month, and I just felt like I would end with it because it's amazing. I am particularly proud and happy about the young filmmakers, actors, singers, writers, producers that are coming up behind my generation. In particular, Barry Jenkins. Young people understand this young man made 10, 15, 20 short films before he got the opportunity to make Moonlight. So never give up. Without commitment, you'll never start. But more importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. It's not easy. If it was easy, there'd be no Kerry Washington. If it was easy, there'd be no Taraji Henson, P. Henson. <laughs> if it were easy, there'd be no Octavia Spencer. But not only that, if it were easy, there'd be no Viola Davis. If it were easy, there'd be no Michael T. Williamson, no Stephen McKinley Henderson, no like to be called out Russell Hornsby. If it were easy, there'd be no Denzel Washington. So keep working, keep striving, never give up, fall down seven times, get up eight. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work. So I actually have two questions. What does it feel like to be called out in the middle of that speech? And how does it feel to not be called out in the middle of that speech? I'm okay with not being called out. I feel like there's a point where like, he's going to say my name, say my name. Right. Say, uh, he didn't I say my like name. I feel like it's okay. It's kind of like Jay. Whenever Jay starts doing stuff where he starts calling people out, mm -hmm. I know every rapper on earth is like, please say my name, please right. say my name, please say my name, please, please God, please say my name. Right. And he doesn't say every rapper's name. But how's it feel to be able to do this and know that you can say your own motherfucking name? And no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, to put yourself, you goddamn right. I'm right. Denzel fucking Washington. <laughs> I put my name in that shit. Um, he's just a greater threat to progress and hardship. I need to remember that. We both do. I think we know that. We do, but we can always, things have gotten, mm. we, we know ease. We know ease. We know hardship too, but I, we know ease. I feel like we know easier. We know easier, yeah. and in some ways we know ease mm -hmm. as well. In some parts of our life, we know straight up ease, mm -hmm. and that's a threat to progress. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I picked the next movie. Do you know what it's going to be? Not quite yet. Um, so, and I, I'm going to tag this on the end. Uh, okay. We'll figure out if we cut this out or not. Mm -hmm. This all began because of us going back and forth about the idea of our black card, quote unquote, in the movies that, that we were supposed to have seen. This is where it started. Oh, okay. So, was this a long time ago? I, this has been a conversation off and on for 
Forever. Forever. For all the years. For, we've for all, right, exactly. <laughs> so part of me wants to stay in that theme, but there's also part of me that knows there's so many terrific movies, just period. You're going to have a blast with me because you know. But it's both I'd si- like to stay it's with- actually it's both sides. It goes both ways. You want to stick with Not the, really. Stick I mean, black? nigga, I ain't seen The Godfather. Like, <laughs> Serpico or like all the things that I know people have seen. Right. I ain't seen it. I haven't seen a lot of films. So what you about to say? You want to stick to the black films? I think I like the idea of sticking with black films. Okay, I'm with it. I like blackity black things. All right. I don't know how many. Now, I've seen a lot of blackity black movies. So mm-hmm. I don't know um, when it comes to that. I'm not sure. I might, I might cheat a little bit. Because there was one okay. movie that. I pushed you to see that you hadn't seen. Okay. That you end up really enjoying. And I can talk about it? Is that what you're saying? Like, we don't have to watch it together? Right. But although it's been a little bit, so I kind of feel like it deserves to be watched. So it's paid in full? Um. Yeah, that's just on the cusp of, I would need to watch it again. Right. So maybe that'll be the next one. Um, like I said, we're cheating this one a little bit, but you just saw it for the first time, and it's, that's been 20-something years as well, yeah. or 20 years as well. Yeah. Um, so this movie was a little triggering for me. I didn't say that. I don't know why, but it was things were a little upbeat. <laughs> I didn't want to. Um, Which part? Just all the instances of how Bleak treated Indigo and Clark. Mm. Um, so I imagine. So I imagine there's a world where a lot of women see the points where they've been both of them. For sure. I don't know many women who haven't been both. Um, so when I was 22 or three, um, and it's weird because I'm editing this story right now um, that Keith Klingscales wrote about Earl Graves, who just passed away, who's the owner of Black Enterprise. And Black Enterprise is the first place where I was ever published. Like mm. literally my very first byline came out in the May 1998 issue, April 1998 issue of Black Enterprise. And um, I I was dating someone who worked there at the time. And I was very, very cognizant of, I know you work there. I don't want to ask you to help me get on, but I know you work there. Mm -hmm. And I know you know I can write. And I I know you know I'm trying to get on. And so we would have conversations about it. And he would talk to me exactly the way um, Bleak talked to Clark. That scene where she's like, Shadow says I can sing. And he's like, well, go sing with Jada. And she's like, I believe in myself. He's like, you should believe it. Just like sweet, right. warm, whatever. But nah, bitch. Those were the conversations. Mm-hmm. I would be like, I think I can do it. I think I can write something for Black Enterprise. And he would be like, yeah, sure. Go for it. So anyway, um, what's up with this blowjob, son? So um, that was kind of not, tr- it wasn't triggering. Uh, maybe that's over. There were other parts that were more triggering. Like the end was definitely more triggering. But um women you know if i was a dude and i was his friend there's no doubt i'm gonna be like so what's up how do i get a you know how do i blah 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 and i'm gonna that's what you do Mm -hmm. you know if he can write you're gonna put him on or not or whatever nobody's thinking about mixing things up or whatever but if you're dating the person then mm, maybe maybe not and i understand that believe me (laughs) i do understand that um, actually, that's the reason why I don't give a fuck about that now, because I see how it doesn't really matter. Um, well, we have some trepidation with that, with even with level. For sure, that's what On I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's why ultimately I'm like, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. Like it is what it is. So, um, sweet, I'm Clark. 
You know, it was funny. I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, no, you're not Clark, but um, no, you're not Clark. But the way he, yeah, all the situations with them were a little like, eh, yeah. Eh. There's no, there's no clean person to root for in this movie. Mm-mm. No, there isn't. There's no hero. Mm-hmm. I bet you have Shadow, who's an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with with Enzigo, I'm now 20 years older than they're supposed to even be in that movie. Mm-hmm. So with Indigo, like, I know that story. Um, I don't know it firsthand quite, but I know that story. And those, those the, there's no happy endings there. There's very rarely a happy ending that starts with please save my life on a rainy day when you realize your busted lip is never going to work again. It rarely <laughs> works out for the folks. Well, we I think we talked before about the idea of trauma relationships mm-hmm. and how those spin in all kinds of directions. Yeah, because there was a time when I was worried that we were one. Yeah. Um, just because... I think what saved us is that we weren't our relationship wasn't born out the same trauma. No. Not only that, but it wasn't... Like, we don't have a burning building that we ran out of. No, we don't. And also, our relationship, we have... We bring our own trauma, but our relationship wasn't born out of trauma. So... By the way, I feel like we've gone from stale popcorn straight <laughs> into good into talk. Back into good talk. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I... I gotta figure out where this one ends. No, what it's like to save some nigga's life. Mm. I do. And there's never been an instance where that's happened that I felt like it all ended well. Right. It never ends well. It never ends well for you as the saver, and it very ends well. It very, very unlikely for it to end well for the savee. Well, we've even had this conversation. I feel like we've had a version of this conversation with like the quarantine and the quarantine couples, right? That are going to be born from this, who, right. or the quarantine couples that will not be a couple from this, right? That's. That's gonna be a thing. There are people right now that are like, "How much longer?" Right, but but let me have my shit packed. In line with what we're talking about, the idea of like, well, for whatever reason, I'm now hold up with this person that right. I don't really know well, blah blah. Right. blah. And you spend this. We're fortunate. We spent all the enormous amount of time together before <laughs> anyway, this, for sure. Like we trained for this, for sure. But the idea, like, there's somebody that you sort of met, and by whether it's just the decision, like, hey, we're gonna isolate. You might as well isolate together, right? Or whatever it is the kind of Stockholm syndrome that develops from being in this proximity for so long. Right. Now we're in a relationship. And then what happens when you get out into the real world? Right. And, and you can options. go back to your apartment even. Right. Or shit, the supermarket by yourself. Like whatever it is. Um, you know, how those all spin off. I wonder how, we talk about, you know, quarantine babies. How many of those quarantine babies are going <laughs> to be right. living at home with their parent, both right. parents by age three? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that it reminded me that I made a vow to myself. I'm going to be my own best friend. That's a Beyonce line. I'm aware. Um, No, I was going to say that I never want to be in a relationship where I have to doubt why we're there Mm -hmm. and how we got there. Right. Um, Just never, ever, ever, ever. That's just an awful feeling to be in. And it never goes away. Right. Never goes away. Some more better, please. <laughs> uh, so we good here? I think so. All right. Um, yeah. Stupid movie, man. It's upsetting. I'm sorry.